news, everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in sports. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, your host, as always. And in case you're not following me and you came from today's amazing guest, uh, one of the best in the business, I'm at Olin Kid. Slap a five-star review on this on iTunes or wherever you're listening, if you don't mind. And in case you're not part of The Athletic, I don't know why you're not, but if you come over and sign up, $1 to start. $1. Less than candy or coffee or whatever you want to say to come over and sign up and see all the greatness. My, I'm like a sprinkle on top of everything that's over there. But in any case, we're talking fantasy football today and some strategy behind it. And today's guest is one of the best in the business. Trust me, you're probably already following him at Mike Clay NFL. But if you're not, I, I honestly don't know what's wrong with you at this point. Because like I said, one of the best in the business, one of the people I've known for the longest. And he deserves everything that comes his way. So, uh, you know what? Best in the business, Mike, is because the mind. You probably have one of the best minds in the business. So... I know people know where to find you, but I always like to let everybody promote themselves at the beginning. So go ahead, although you have to probably be under a rock if they don't know about you and fantasy football. Well, I appreciate the uh, the fantastic introduction there. I don't know about the mind comment, just because I think it's more like I was lucky to come into the industry when I did, because there are some very, very smart people in this industry now that have come in, some people that uh, I think could solve some of the larger world issues, but have an interest in fantasy football and uh, are just totally crushing it with <laughs> the advanced analysis uh, of fantasy and of the NFL. It's been, it's been awesome to see and, uh, you know, allows me to kind of settle in a little bit and, and learn from these people who know what they're actually talking about. So, uh, but anyway, I appreciate it for sure. I'm happy to be on the show. Um, of course, as you mentioned at my clay NFL on Twitter, uh, all, most of my content over at ESPN plus uh, at, at ESPN.com. So uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's been uh, been a crazy year so far, as you know, um, with, with everything going on, uh, it's, it's really made this one of the more bizarre seasons this year, but we're crunching away and, and now we're what we're, we're right about about the midway point here. It's kind of crazy. We're that deep into the season already. Yeah. In the midway point past the midway point for fantasy football and kind of the right. home stretch for a lot of people started to see that like decrease when people, Oh, my team's two and eight. I'm done. So, or wait, no, two and seven. See, I can't even get the weeks right at this point. Cause <laughs> it's all in blur at this, but uh, you're also responsible for the projection and everything like that. And I want to tell you a great minus because of that. And for real quick, before we get into some of the topics, because you're talking about people breaking into the business, new people popping up every single year, but a lot of questions I'll get. And I always reference you as one of the people that does projections even better than myself is kind of, you know, without giving away the farm, but like kind of explain to anybody if they're trying to get into projections, they're trying to do what you do. Cause I also want to talk about one of your statistics next. Uh, any advice? Cause that's what everybody always asks us. You know that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my best advice would be make sure you love doing it, you know, because this is a, it, it, honestly, I keep my model going year round. It's I'm always tweaking it. it. They're pretty much always live. You know, I'll take a little time after the season to kind of work on some things, update some things, kind of, 
you know, kind of like if you're working on your car and you take the engine apart and then put it back together a few days later, you know, it's kind of like that. Uh, but other than that, it's just constant updating, constant tweaking, constantly reading news. I could, it could be, it could be March and I could be reading a, a little, a short article or just a tweet from a beat writer. And, you know, it could be talking about, well, that, you know, I think next season, this guy is going to handle punt returns or this player, uh, you know, I do IDP as well. Maybe this player is going to get more run uh, or this guy's going to play less, uh, you know, like Harold Landry. There was a report he wasn't going to play 95% of the snaps this season. So I'll go in and look at that and make a little tweak so that it's con it's there. You know, I can't, you can't just come in in August and start uh, adjusting for all this news, whether, whether you're just looking at offense or defense or punters, kickers, whatever it is uh, you're working on. So it's just a constant year round process. And if you get bored of that after a few weeks, you know, you're done for, you're, you're not going to have a good model. You're not going to have updated projections. You're going to be missing stuff. You have to really stay on top of the league. And there's only one way to do that. And that should just to love what you do. So that's the main thing, you know, otherwise we could talk for hours about the, the tedious little things that go into, you know, looking at play caller and team and league trends and weekly trends and just constantly adjusting for weather. And uh, you know, the, the get you know that uh the marriage of the uh subjective and objective side of it or the statistical and the you know the right. manual inputs that have to go into it i mean that's a that's a very very long conversation i'd be happy to have but uh you know and <laughs> the main the main part the main point is you just have to love the game and you have to really stay on top of top of everything uh that's going on in the and in, in the nfl I was going to say that. Yeah, but that'd probably be like an hour long separate podcast just on its. Actually, that might not even be enough. We'd Only an probably hour? Have to do... I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, that would like be 101, through, 201, like, and 301? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that so, might be a series. Yeah. So, one of the statistics that you have that so like, uh, people should know by now, you do a lot of advanced stuff. You did it with PFF. You're doing it at ESPN. You know, you have your matchups, which people are familiar with. And I'm not dismissing that to throw it away. I'm just saying people are familiar. What they might not be familiar with is OTD. Uh, you know, you know this because you tweeted me about it. It was like a fun tongue-in-cheek thing. But like, I went and did end zone targets versus red zone targets, which is like the surface level of what you got into. Like, that's basically like, hey, the conversion rate is this. This is the difference between if you get a target in the end zone or in the red zone. You take it much further because you've turned it into a predictive tool. And give a little background on that and why that's so valuable. Because as you saw, I referenced. I said, hey, if you want. The, this is if, you, if this is basically like hey the fifth grade version if you want advanced college level go check out mike's <laughs> uh yeah appreciate that and, and you're seeing this uh, across the industry as well with expected touchdowns or expected fantasy uh points my uh my version is otd and ofp so uh, opportunity adjusted touchdowns opportunity adjusted fantasy points it's essentially the same thing uh we've been doing this for uh, years with you know expected yards expected touchdowns and then we kind of put it together into uh, you know, fantasy points as well. But the whole idea is, is what would the average player have in terms of touchdowns, fantasy points, you name it, based on just where they get their touches on the field, right? So, um, you know, you, you made the comparison to red zone usage, and that's kind of where I, where I became inspired, right? I was, I was seeing a lot of usage of, well, this player has 19 red zone targets, and this player has 15 red zone targets. Well, you know, there's a big difference if you're targeted in the end zone or at the 19 yard line on a, on a screen <laughs> or something, you know what I mean? There's a massive, massive uh, difference in expected touchdown or fantasy point rate based on, based on those two positions. So that's why we started looking at carries inside the five and end zone targets, because those are certainly going to point you more in the direction of who's getting opportunities to score touchdowns and, and who's not. So, uh, you know, if you take every player's 
targets and carries and look at the expected touchdown rate on all of those plays, you can come up with their expected touchdown total compared to their actual and see if they're a candidate for regression to the mean. And what we've seen over time is that with extremely few exceptions, right? Like peak Gronkowski, peak Greg Jennings. The Garrett Blunt. Uh, uh, not even him, I don't think. So really? with, 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 with a few exceptions, guys cannot exceed their total, their expected totals by much. They always seem to regress to the mean. And even some of the premier touchdown scores that you can think of tend to do that. You know, think about a Mike Evans, who's kind of swung back and forth and, uh, the, you know, maybe like a Todd Gurley in recent years, even though he's had a massive amount of opportunity near the goal line too, which has helped boost his, but uh, it's, it's been very successful in, in not allowing us to get carried away with touchdown totals of either direction, right? Guys who underachieve too will tend to regress to the mean and the hit rate is unbelievable. You know, I do an off season column looking at guys who will score more or less and it hits at like 90% plus. I mean, it's, it's money in the bank. You just, uh, in fact, I think the guys that will score fewer touchdowns column, fewer touchdowns, I think there's been four misses in the past five seasons out of like 70 names, something like that. I mean, it's just, it's an unbelievably predictable. And, it, and as you know, as a prognosticator in this industry, finding things that are predictable is, is nearly impossible. That's yeah, exactly. It's like that's what we want. It would make it so much better. Actually, so I'm gonna skip right past and come back to something I want to talk about at the top. But it's because you mentioned the Buccaneers and you brought up Mike Evans, so it, I think uh, you would agree. Like off the top, Mike, you would agree. Like take the film. If the Buccaneers didn't already do it, throw it in the trash. Move on. Don't even pay attention to that game. Like that's that's an anomaly. That's an outlier. Or real quick before we get into what I want to ask you about the Buccaneers, are you putting any weight at all into that game? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always tweaking things a little bit. So certainly my uh, touchdown projections for that offense are a little lower. Uh, and their, uh, their <laughs> touchdowns allowed on the defensive side is a little higher. Uh, you can't just completely throw away a, a complete debacle like that because it may happen again, right? So I, I don't think we completely ignore it. Uh, they went in against a pretty good Saints team and, and got smoked. And that's something that we have to consider going forward. Now, could they just come out extremely strong this week and, and light it up against Carolina? Uh, and get back on track and really find a way to use that overwhelming talent they have and, and turn it into an offensive juggernaut. Absolutely. That's, that's definitely a possibility, but uh, you know, I, there's so much upside in that offense, but that was definitely discouraging on, uh, you know, last week. <laughs> a thousand percent. So let's talk about the wide receivers. Cause that's what I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. I'll give you my opinion first in case anybody out there hasn't heard it. And then Mike, you definitely give yours and everybody put some definite weight into Mike's side of the debate. But I keep saying, or I kept saying, uh, this is Dak Prescott's Cowboys. As in before Dak got hurt, I would say Godwin is, uh, if you look at it comparison-wise, uh, Mara Cooper, Antonio Brown would be CeeDee Lamb for me. And as you brought it with Mike Evans would be Michael Gallup, who is the bigger air yards, the more end zone opportunities, but the riskiest and most inconsistent of the three. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Do you see it differently going forward? Because that's a giant question everybody has right now is how do you rank the Buccaneers wide receivers rest of season? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, the only thing that pops into my head is that, you know, Lamb and Godwin are the slot guys and you had, you know, Evans would be on the outside, but you know, that's, that's, I'm getting picky there. Uh, yeah, it, it's hard to know for sure. I think Godwin, I, I think you probably compared him to Cooper because he's probably the safest, right? The, the highest floor. I think that's probably a safe assessment that he is the guy I prefer in this group. Uh, although this week he probably is the, the toughest matchup against Carolina. Uh, Evans, it, it's hard to know, right? I mean, could, could uh, you know, teams start to give 
Antonio Brown some attention if he hits on a few big plays and maybe that frees up Evans from seeing number one corners, which he has, uh, you know, throughout his entire career. It's, it's possible down the stretch here. Uh, also, you know, he's not 100%, which is something that hopefully will be resolved soon enough. They, they still don't have their bye for a few weeks, which is unfortunate. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be tough. I think it really is going to be tough to figure out which of the three to start unless they start scoring three or four or five touchdowns a game, you know, or certainly <laughs> in that range every week. If that happens, then all three can be solid weekly fantasy plays. It's not unheard of, of course, for an offensive sport, three fantasy relevant wide receivers. Now it might be trickier with Gronk if they keep throwing him, of course, but uh, it's just something on a weekly basis. We're going to have to look on matchups. We're going to have to follow the the routes and the targets and and see what who we're most comfortable with. But uh, I would say right now, to your point, Godwin's probably the guy I prefer. Um, Evans and Brown is a close call. Uh, definitely a close call. Um, I think Brown is set up best this week. Uh, I think he has a good chance to, to lead this group because he's the best matchup, assuming that Rasul Douglas is on Mike Evans. But, you know, we're going to have to look at this each and every week moving forward unless someone separates himself. Yeah, by the way, Panthers sneakily did better than we would th- think uh, putting that defense together for this year of yeah. being a pretty tough secondary. It's surprising. And, and Patrick Graham's getting a hell of a lot of that Giants defense for the names that he's dealing with. Two defense that I don't think anybody expected to be, and the Giants aren't at the top of the game, but two defenses that people were just like, oh my God, these are going to be the easiest defenses you've ever seen. And mm-hmm. this is how things can change. So the one I wanted to bring up off the top is Jacoby Myers. So this is another one. Give you my opinion. See if you had the same thought and then what your concerns are going forward is Jacoby Myers as soon as Julian Allen went down, I said, oh my God, I'm picking him up everywhere. Everybody should do the same in 12 plus leagues. I wasn't saying 10 teams. I'm not trying to take like a victory lap on that and say, it's, I didn't even expect that game. Like I'm not, this isn't like, saw that coming, but it was, he steps into Edelman's role. And if we know anything about Cam Newton, he loves one receiver and he loves the guy over the middle of the field because Cam Newton has issues throwing the ball. And this is what we expected to a degree, but now Here's the pushback, Mike, and this is where you t- come into play of not just projections, but also what we know about football, the analyst mind of things is now what happens when defenses start paying and more attention to Jacoby Myers and treat him as a quote unquote number one and maybe roll the coverage over to him and then let Debeer Bird or Nikhil Harry or one of those guys try and make some damage. So is Jacoby Myers a true wide receiver three, lock him in going forward, or is he talent-wise maybe not enough to overcome if defenses start paying attention to him? Yeah, I mean, I'm not projecting him for, you know, the 30-plus percent target share that he has had the past three weeks yet. Um, I feel like that's a, a bit risky, and there's a few <laughs> reasons for that, including Nikhil Harry could be back, and at some point down the road, Julian Edelman, although that's not a short-term concern, but also Isaiah Ford. You know, they yep. traded for a wide receiver. He's going to be active this week, and he could he can mix in and steal a few looks as well. The larger issue is the offense. Okay, they they have three passing touchdowns this season. That is, you heard that correctly. You're not. It's not breaking up. They have three <laughs> passing touchdowns. The Patriots this season. Uh, you know, it, it, that's a crazy low number. Even the Jets have seven. That just shows you how few that is. They have 13 rushing, three passing touchdowns this season. And if you think, well, that's that's going to regress to the mean, right? That won't keep up. Not by much, right? I mean, that's a 19% rate that is passes. Their expected rate is 33%. That's easily lowest in the NFL, maybe probably the lowest I've ever seen since I've been doing OTD. Uh, that's the next closest team is the Rams at 45%. So it's not too far off. Even if they throw an extra pass or two, pass touchdown or two here or there, uh, it's still going to be a very, very low 
pass touchdown rate for this offense. I mean, in fact, Cam Newton, believe it or not, leads the NFL in OTD because he's had so many carries <laughs> near the goal line. That's a, that's a, that's unreal. A quarterback never leads that category, but he easily does over Zeke Elliott because of all that goal line work. And that's just not going to change. So that's, that's an issue, right? I mean, you're really counting on kind of what Danny Amendola, Golden Tate sort of usage. You need those 10, 11, 12 targets so they can soak up a ton of PPR receptions because he's just not going to score touchdowns. It's just the nature of this offense. So that's what worries me about firing him up in fantasy right now. Yeah, you want a fun stat that I tweeted out about Cam Newton a little while ago is he'd be the first quarterback in NFL history to not throw for 3,000 yards, not throw for 15 touchdowns, and rush for 600-plus and 10 rushing touchdowns. He's on pace for way past that in rushing touchdowns, but nobody's even done that on the 10 side. The person that came the close was Michael Vick when he ran for 705 or six touchdowns or somewhere around there. But, yeah, he's on a – unprecedented very 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 weird season uh, yes. to see this happen and he, as you mentioned he's only got uh, by the way two of the three passing touchdowns for this team which is just absurd so yeah all right so here's one that i want to get to and this is more of a strategy this is really good for people out there this time of year that's still really into things and getting strategies trade deadlines are approaching the difference in this year you said it at the top it's a weird year mike you know this i know this everybody knows this I found myself, this is the time of year when I like consolidate, you know, everybody's going to try to consolidate. So I want to try and consolidate a little bit ahead of the time so I can get my trade in, you know, not have people all trying to do the same thing. But this year, I think it's different. And I, I want to know, are you thinking the same where I don't normally, if I have Aaron Rodgers, I don't care about a second quarterback, except I do this year. If I have Evan Ingram, I don't really care about a second tight end, although you might want to just play mix and match because Evan Ingram's been frustrating as hell. But you get the point of like, I don't really want a second quarterback. I don't really want a second tight end. But because of this year with COVID and everything, has that changed your opinion? Or are you still trying to consolidate for the best starting lineup possible for the playoffs? Yeah, I, uh, I recently made a move where I traded a bunch of guys for Alvin Kamara. So I'm definitely still, that was a 10-teamer though. So I'm still trying to load up my starting lineup. That's always the, the primary game plan. Uh, but it depends on your league size and what's on waivers, right? Like you mentioned the quarterback situation. I mean, if you're in a situation where, you know, guys like Drew Brees are on waivers, you know, in a 10 or 12-team league, which is possible because Brees just not a not a very good fantasy quarterback anymore. <laughs> you know, if, it, if, if it's that sort of situation where you know, you can grab a guy, then it's not as important to have two good quarterbacks. You could try to ship one away. In fact, I lost Dak Prescott in, in a league where Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford were on waivers in a 10 teamer. That, obviously that was a few weeks ago. Uh, but if you can pull that off, you know, maybe like a Ryan Tannehill uh, who I believe has a, a pretty good playoff schedule. You know, if you're in a situation like that, then yeah, you don't need to be carrying two guys. And, and that goes for every other position, depending on the strength of waivers. So that's what I always look at. I look at waivers and say, okay, if I do have an injury, is there someone serviceable I could pick up or am I going to have to start J.D. McKissick every week? You know, like that's, that's <laughs> kind of what you have to figure out. It just depends on your league size and how many bench spots you have and, and what's available on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with you there. All right, so I have two little fun games for you before you get out of here. You didn't have to prepare. That's why I didn't send you anything because it's just going to have some fun. The first one, I, I kind of, this is a, a salute to your your workmate over there, Mike, Matthew Barry, because I'm with you. It's melage, blalage, like whatever it is. And I, you, he tweeted at you yesterday about Kalen Balage and the fact that you had to talk about him. So this was the game I had planned for today, even before anything else I saw on Twitter, but it's Kalen Balage versus 
You tell me in any of these scenarios, Mike, are you taking Kalen Balaj or are you taking the other option? And the is difference for, here is this for what, week 10 or is this for rest of season? This is for week 10. Week okay, 10. Okay. Because I think we all, yeah, I assume this is probably good. You would probably never say Balaj just for that whole bit, like me. Um, but this is, yeah, for week 10. And the reason I'm doing it is because every single one of these running backs has a messy backfield. So you can pick either one. So it's actually Balaj versus a duo. For example, the first one, if Devontae Freeman is back, do you pick Kalen Balaj or Freeman or Gallman this week? Uh, well, if Freeman's back, Freeman, if Gallman's back, Gallman. But again, I'm, I should specify that for now, I'm assuming Justin Jackson plays, right? So if Jackson plays, you have Jackson, you still have Josh Kelly there. And Let's say Justin Balazs. Jackson doesn't play for the fun of it. Assuming he doesn't play? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, in that case, I'm, I'm going to lean Freeman. Uh, then I would go uh, – if, if Freeman's out, I'd probably still lean Gallman. Uh, I'd put Balazs. <laughs> I put okay. Balazs behind that group. I just, I, I want to see if I can even get you to say Kalen Balazs in any of these. That's why I said I we might, have to say. You, you may, you may. I'm not All crazy. Right. It's a volume game, right? So. Right, it is. It is, but it's a uh, blah volume game. All right, Kalen Balazs versus Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Yeah, uh, Tampa's running backs. Really? Yeah, even, easy one there. Okay, all right. So how about Kalen Balazs versus your boy and the guy that's got benched as soon as he fumbled, Wilkins and Taylor? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Taylor. I, I, I would take Balazs over Wilkins, I think. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but at the same time, I, I just think that Indy is going to go back to the Taylor. Well, right. They're going to give him any, every chance to succeed. Uh, he's underwhelmed, but I still have him ranked uh, a decent amount ahead, you know, uh, and again, it's two weeks in a row now that Wilkins been, has been well ahead of him. So maybe I should go, maybe I should go with my guy Wilkins here at some point, but it's just Taylor's just such a, you know, a freak athlete and there's high pedigree. I think it's in their best interest to try and maximize him. Like I'm not crazy as much as I liked Wilkins as a sleeper in the draft. Taylor is the better prospect. So right. uh, I, I lean that way. Yeah. All right. So how about Kalen Balaj versus Edwards or Dobbins? Uh, Edwards, well, if I don't know if Ingram's coming back, I have him in there for now, but assuming we'll say Ingram, he's if he's out, then it's, it's definitely the Baltimore backs. Both of them. All right. So last chance here when we get one Balazs in here, maybe Kalen Balazs versus Singletary and Moss. Uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo's backs. I have them, uh, 30, I have Singletary 34th this week. I have Moss 38th. I, you know, it might be close. If, uh, if Jackson is out, he might leap over. He might he might leap over one of them. I'm not sure. It's it's a it's a close call. But uh, I look I I wouldn't want to start Balaz yet. You know we've seen him play a half a game and he looked all right. He looks like he's been better. You know he he's improved his game, which is good for him. But he may make a mistake and disappear again, or run for uh, eight yards on six carries and just not play anymore. So yeah, uh, and they've Troy been going with a hot hand back. in game. Like, yeah, and they like, may do that with Troy Main Pope again this week if he's healthy. I mean, we don't even know for sure if Balazs will be active this week if Jackson and, and Pope are healthy. We don't even know that. So, that <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, but that would not be surprising either uh, based on, you know, their situation. So uh, I don't mind Adam adding him to your bench, but uh, I don't feel great starting Get him in your lineup. All right, so here's the second one. This is a wide receiver battle, and it's it started because I don't want to get your opinion. It's like I said – He's borderline droppable now at this point, and that's Darius Slayton. And 
I know the upside of Slayton. I know he has more upside than anybody else in that team as a receiver, but it comes back to Daniel Jones and it comes back to what has been the case, whether statistically or with your eyes, the number one is Sterling Shepard, even if it might not be the air yards, even if it might not be all the opportunity and, and touchdowns. It's Sterling, Sterling Shepard, number one, and Slayton's only had three decent games, two really good ones, and the rest has been junk. Like, Taylor Slayton has been bad. Like, let's be real about it. So this is what it comes down to. It's going to be like Balazs, Darius Slayton, or this wide receiver. We'll say, going, this is going forward now. Rest of the season, Mike. Would you rather have Darius Slayton or Nelson Aguilar? Uh, definitely Slayton. By the way, I just want to quickly mention that uh, the Giants the last four weeks have played Washington twice. They are dead last – or they are best in terms of fantasy points of receivers. Right. They also – was shadowed by Darius Slay, and he also faced Carl and Davis in the Buck. So he's at a kind of a tough slate. He'll get, he may Slay draw again Slay this again this week, then as his bye, but the schedule after that, uh, not nearly as intimidating. In fact, it, up until week 16, it's, it's very light. That's the only, he only has one real tough game left. So I will say that quickly in his defense, but uh, yeah, definitely over Aguilar. His targets are, you know, he had one, one high target week, but no thanks. Okay. Yeah. And that's why I bring them up is because I think these are kind of the conversation names are having them. Like you said, trading, if you can, at this point, good post buy, buy low or like buy low for after the buy. All right. So Darius Slayton or Marquise Brown. Oh man. I, it's funny. I've them ranked back to back this week. It's crazy, <laughs> but I'm going to go Brown. Now, they have a, the Ravens wide receivers may have the easiest remaining schedule. So Slayton yes. had, I think Baltimore's is easiest. So perhaps they can get him going. Yeah, especially the last three weeks, Cleveland, Jacksonville, and New York Giants. Like, that's mm -hmm. very yeah, it's very fun for that. Uh, how about oh, Darius yeah. Slayton or the new hot name in Carolina, Curtis Samuel? Uh, I'm going to go Samuel. I think I was kind of high on him in the projections all year, um, and people were not happy with that in the first few weeks of the season, you know, when he was uh, not living up to it, but it's paid off down the stretch here uh, over the past month. Uh, the usage was there. He just wasn't converting. And now, look, he's not going to keep up this touchdown pace, but – He's still uh, a big part of this offense for sure. And it's a, it's a pretty good pass offense. So uh, I will lean towards Samuel. That's a close one. Yeah, Mike, how can you score 0.7 of a touchdown? Come on, let's, come yeah, on, let's right. get real here. All right, Darius, just three more. And then I got a fun, just random question for you to get you out of here. Darius Slayton or Devontae Parker now that Preston Williams is probably out for the season? Yeah, I'm going to go Parker here. And yeah, that really stinks with Preston Williams. Have him on a lot of teams. He was finally coming around, just like last year. Finally coming around, he gets going and then goes down. I mean, it's really unfortunate. So uh, it's too bad. And, and But, you know, same spot as last year. Maybe Devontae Parker goes off now. <laughs> you know, the, the volume should be there. Maybe he ends up uh, as, a cute, as a wide receiver one again. Who knows? The wide receiver two rest the season as he was last year at that stretch. All right. Right. Darius Slayton or Corey Davis, who had been really good in having that basically Devontae Parker season until last week when he got a goose egg. Yeah, that is a tough one there. Um, I will give a tiny edge to Corey Davis on that one. I feel just feel better about that uh, Titans offense, I guess, their quarterback play. But, uh, yeah, that's, an, that's another, another tough one, another tough one. Yeah, they're not supposed to be easy. All right, so here's the last one. You get a trio to pick against. Darius Slayton versus all of the Steelers wide receivers. All of the Steelers wide receivers, please. I will, I will happily invest in that, uh, that pass offense. All right. So even – what do we – real quick, what do you make of Deontay Johnson? Is it just the fact that he's healthy or not? Because like, when he's healthy, it's, hey, here's 15 targets. When he's not, it's like, well, you got two. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's been unreal with the amount of volume he has seen. But look, he had he has four games of ten plus targets, including his his most recent game when he had ten targets and actually had a carry in that game as well. So uh, I would just keep keep riding it out. Uh, he's just a hard guy to bench right now. I think I would prefer Claypool of the group right now. I think Ben just likes him the most. That seems to be the case, and he. You know, early in the season, we were worried about him disappearing back on the depth chart, but that's not the case anymore. It's, you know, we, we know that Big Ben can support three fantasy relevant receivers, and he's part of yeah. that big three now. It's Johnson, it's Smith Schuster in the slot, and it's Claypool. And uh, he likes going the rookie's way. So I'd go Claypool one. And then the other two are very hard to pick through. I would put Smith Schuster second, Johnson third. But again, any one of these three can lead the group. And uh, I know that's a cop-out, but they, Hey, you have to hedge in fantasy football. Uh, you know, you're just, you're being unfair to yourself and you're going to hurt yourself if you don't. Right. Not too dissimilar from the Buccaneers in a way. So, all right, this is the last one, Mike, this is just you personally, Mike. And if you pick the one side of this, it would, you'll see here in a second, you can't be like, well, I'll also would go to Vegas and become a millionaire. Blah, blah. No, it's just, it, like, don't go down that road. It's just a fun. I've been asking a lot of people this question. Mike, your choice is you get a genie one wish. You just popped up and said, hey, you get this. Either the rest of your life, you're never, ever, ever wrong again in sports. All your projections are 100%. Again, this is why you can't go to Vegas and play that whole game. It's just you're always right in sports. You'll never be wrong again. Or because you, Mike, love NASCAR so much, you get to race and win the Daytona 500. You don't know in advance you're going to win it, so it's still a lot of fun for you because you got that challenge. So, Mike, would you take never being wrong in sports, or would you take you get to race the Daytona 500 and win? Man, that's a tough call because it would be good for my career if I was never wrong in sports, but also it would take the fun away, right? I enjoy this. This is what I do for a living. Um, so I guess by default, I have to pick the NASCAR one just because, again, I, I would – what am I going to do with my life after that? You know, I mean, I guess if I won Daytona, I'd get a cup ride. Right. And I'd, uh, I could do that <laughs> instead, but, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, I love the prognostication aspect of the game. It's super fun. I enjoy building new ways to, to try and improve at that. So if I lost that Jake, then, uh, that would, that would not be fun. That would not be well, fun. You would never all. hear so, again. You messed up my lineup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I need that, that, uh, that, that Twitter hatred keeps me going. Right. So I've got to, <laughs> Got to stick with it, but uh, yeah, uh, interesting for sure. So I'll, well, I'll go. For... Uh, I'll go with the race. I'll, I'll win the race. Nice. I like it. I like that. It. It's more fun. It's more of a dream for you. And speaking of Twitter, to bring that back around at Mike Clay NFL, everything on ESPN. Go sign up for ESPN Plus if you haven't to get all the advanced stuff that Mike has for you, like the OTD and all the great articles. Hey, I you know this. I've texted you, Mike. I checked them out myself. So. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative for you, <laughs> whether that's a, people will take that appreciation, but uh, thanks again, Mike. One of the best. I appreciate your time. Always fun, Jake. Thanks a lot. Once again, that was Mike Clay of ESPN at Mike Clay NFL. One of the brightest, sharpest minds when it comes to analysis, projections, everything that you just heard. And just a great overall guy. So hopefully you are following him. If you're not, and you came from this podcast, rectify that. Go give him some support. I'll be back next week with some more fun. I might be taking the Thanksgiving week off just because we put four days into three. So heads up, might not be. I'll let you guys know for sure next week. Have a good one. Good luck, everybody.